0: Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Shocking, isn't it? I develop leaders and sales professionals all across the globe. I help them to tap into and achieve their true potential every day. I'm a business writer, speaker, and now host for this podcast, Shock Your Potential. Come on and join me. Let's learn and laugh together. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Shock Your Potential, the business podcast where I focus on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Today, I have a good friend, very pleased to have as a guest today. Her name is Kamal Elliott. She is an audiologist. And if you don't know what that is, then you need to go have your ears checked which means literally she can check your ears. And I want to talk to her not only about her business, because she is a superb businesswoman, but she is also very dedicated to humanitarian projects, both at home and abroad. And I think she's got a lot that she can share with you to make your day. Kamal, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It's my pleasure, Michael. I'm delighted to be here.
0: It is so fun to have you, not just because I know you and know how wonderful you are, but because we've had so many opportunities to work together over, I believe it's been more than a decade now.
1: I agree. Yeah, I, we've known each other for a long time and I'm always excited and happy to be around you and to talk to you and always impressed by what you're doing. So,
0: Sucking up is always good too to the host. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kamal, um, I know what you do, but I'm going to not put it in my words. Why don't you tell my listeners exactly what an audiologist is, what you do, and tell us a little bit about your business there in the uh, greater Lancaster area.
1: Sure. Well, the most important thing is that um, Lancaster is not pronounced Lancaster. It's Lancaster. And the way that we know that is if somebody says Lancaster or Lancaster, then we know they're not from this area.
0: (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Well, then you knew me right off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm an audiologist. Uh, Basically, I am trained to diagnose and treat hearing difficulties. I've been doing this since 1994 when I got my master's in audiology and then um, in the early 2000s, I got a doctorate in audiology and I started a private practice here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I started from scratch 18 years ago. I wanted to try to help people uh, with their hearing difficulties, and I assumed that I would maybe work part time and, you know, uh, come to work, leave at around three or four, and I used to joke around and tell my husband I'd leave at three or four, go home and play tennis and eat bonbons.
0: <laughs> that that's funny because you do you do uh, none of those things. Well, you might eat bonbons, you might play tennis, but never at three o'clock. I know you. No, well. I don't.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the practice is A and E Audiology, and it's named after Andrew and Eric, who I consider to be my greatest accomplishments. They're my sons.
0: They are very handsome and very accomplished.
1: <laughs> we now have grown over the past 18 years. We have three locations in Lancaster. There are um, four doctors of audiology there, including myself. And we see patients of all ages, including little tiny newborn babies. And uh, I think our oldest patient is well over 100.
0: Fantastic. That's, uh, and it's so... It's so important, and I know you know this, and there's probably listeners that uh, know this as well, but knowing and believing and doing something about your hearing to protect it or to treat loss is not something that's at the top of most people's desire or awareness. So, you know, what keeps you motivated in this industry after so long, knowing that we still fight against, and I still say we, even though I haven't been in the industry a year, uh, that I always said, uh, you know, when I uh, was in the industry fully that we sold a product that nobody wanted, um, but yet needed so badly. How do you keep yourself, you know, going despite the fact that your population doesn't necessarily want your services, although they need it? (laughs) You know, that's
1: really um, an interesting way of looking at our field because it's very true. It's funny because when I'm sitting in front of a patient and I'm helping somebody and we are able to improve their hearing, the outcomes are just so rewarding. You know, you realize that you're really impacting somebody's quality of life. And I, I I just never can get enough of that. And that's what keeps me coming back to work every day. You know, I think it's interesting because our industry has a bad rap. Uh, People don't prioritize their hearing. And unfortunately, when you read things in the media about hearing loss and hearing help, sometimes we tend to be treated as the, the evil, you know, salespeople that are trying to sell somebody something that nobody wants. And I just, I hear a lot of stories out there that are negative about how somebody needed hearing aids and they ended up in the drawer or somebody you know, went to get their hearing aids and they they spent all this money and still, you know, didn't get the outcomes. But really, truly the experience that we see in our clinic all day, every day is that when we treat hearing loss, there's a dramatic improvement in a person's quality of life. And I'm thinking of a patient that we just saw recently who was in her 90s and she was putting off, putting off, putting off, getting treatment for her hearing loss because, you know, she didn't want to address it. She just didn't want to have anything to do with hearing aids. Everything she heard was negative. So she came in. She was, you know, a little bit, um, you know, wary. She was a little bit grumpy, and her personality was very closed. And so we, fit her, we finally got through all the barriers, got her some help, put her devices on, and she came back this week. And she is a different person. She's relaxed. She's smiling. She said to me, you know, wow. sometimes I can hear voices and I think they're my neighbor's TV or I'm hearing something that's going on. on." You know, she lives in a retirement community or something. And she says, you know, I just never realized how many things I was missing. And she's just like a new person.
0: It's amazing when, you know, I mean, you and I have seen it. You've seen it more than I have, but I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times, if not thousands and yet it's still that gap. And I, I always say that I feel sorry for the person sitting next to me on an airplane because when I was in that industry and they'd say, what do you do? And I'd say, well, I, I work in the hearing industry. And it's how many people would say to me, you know, I've had my hearing tested, but the doctor said it was just a mild loss. So I don't need to worry about it. And of course, that launches me into <laughs> every data point, every study until I browbeat them into going to get their hearing aids. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so it, the the difference in life and quality and what a shame, what joy that she got that. But what a shame that she waited till
1: she was in her 90s. It's true. Yes. I mean, this is the, uh, you know, people don't always realize that when it comes to something like your hearing or one of your senses, if you don't use it, you'll, you're going to lose it. And um, Michael, do you hear that laughing in the background? I do, and I, it sounds to me like
0: you have a laughing child that's in one of your clinics. That's a happy patient. And I have no need to edit that out because I think that every time I hear the giggle, it's making me laugh. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> there, it <is> <laughs> there it goes again. Oh, gosh. Are you in your office where you t- typically see more children? Actually,
1: I'm in my office, and that is the manager of this location. She just has a very oh. joyful laugh. <laughs> I thought it was one of the kids. I
0: love it because I know that uh, you have a very big uh, um, pediatric uh, population that you serve there as well. And that's kind of the other end of the spectrum is what kind of difference does this make in the life of a parent who realizes they have a child with hearing loss?
1: Oh, my goodness. It's just incredible. I mean, I think one of the most difficult things that I do as an audiologist is when we test a little baby and we discover that they have a hearing loss. And then we have to tell the parents that their child has hearing loss and just watching the grief that they go through. that has got to be tough. Yeah, it's really tough. But once we start to, you know, treat the hearing loss, fit the child with some devices, you know, I remember years ago I fit this little boy. He was an Amish child and he was about 18 months old and the parents couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And it turned out that he had hearing loss in both ears. So I fit him with his devices, and it took a little while to convince the family that we this was the right thing to do, because in their culture, they sometimes believe that certain things might be healed through prayer, or the child might grow out of it. But we put these devices on him, and his mother came back and said that when it's nap time, he cries when they have to take the hearing aids out of his ears, because he loves them so much.
0: Oh my gosh, that's that's stunning.
1: Yeah. So it's really, it's just so rewarding. You know, some of the children that I saw earlier on when I started my practice are now graduating. Um, one of the, one of the kids that I saw started seeing at age 12, her name is Bethany. She is now actually getting her doctorate in audiology. And she has been working here since high school because she got interested in what we're doing and. When she was in high school, she came in and said, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, well, why don't you come observe for a day or two and see what you think of audiology? And she got hooked. And so it's really rewarding to see these kids growing up. And, you know, people used to think with, if if a child has hearing loss, they're not going to be able to thrive. But she's a... Wonderful example of somebody who's realizing their potential. She's shocking her potential, Michael. That's wonderful. I love it. Nice, nice addition there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you know, with hearing, it's such a limiting condition, and yet it's so. It's just not prioritized. I mean, people go to the physician and get their blood work done, and they get their physicals, and they get their mammograms, and they do all of that very regularly. How often do we go to the dentist or the eye doctor? But when it comes to hearing, we don't prioritize it. In fact, we ignore it, and yet it really affects every aspect of our life in terms of our communication and our relationships.
0: Amen. I couldn't agree more. Well, so now I know that you also have a passion for different types of humanitarian projects that deal with hearing loss, because, you know, to a point that you made earlier, and it's kind of the second uh, statement that I used to make in the industry. When I was in the industry, I always said we sold a product no one wanted at a price tag no one wanted to pay. And hearing aids are an investment for people. It's not something that everyone feels they have access to and yet there are ways um so can you talk a little bit about you know what your personal and your company's mission is to different humanitarian projects both locally and internationally
1: Absolutely So over the years there have been many instances where patients have been into my office and they need help they need we need to order some devices to help them but unfortunately, they're not able to afford the treatment. And it always felt difficult and felt, you know, I felt very affected by that because you you know that you can help somebody. They need the help. They're sitting in front of you and yet you couldn't do anything to help them. So that kind of weighed on me for a few years. And then I also grew up in India. My father's from India. I was born here in the United States, in Minnesota, but when I was five, I went to live in India for 13 years. So I lived in a developing country and I uh, realized how difficult it is for people to function when they have some kind of a disability. And so about four years ago, I was starting to feel, um, you know, I've been in practice for about 14 years. I was starting to feel a little bit of pressure. The industry is changing a little bit and, and just felt like I needed something to keep me inspired And I met this woman by the name of Nora Stewart, who's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And she and her husband um, have a private practice, and she was experiencing the same thing with people coming in who couldn't afford hearing instruments. And so what she decided to do is to take some of the money from her marketing budget and start a nonprofit organization. I love it. And um, not only that, but the idea was We're going to help people who can't afford hearing devices, but we're also going to help them re-engage back into life. So what they used was something called a circle of giving. So The circle of giving is basically when somebody needs help from the nonprofit, they're going to come to the nonprofit and the nonprofit is basically funded through donations by the community, grants through the community. So the community supports the nonprofit and then the nonprofit would help the individual by giving them the treatment that they need. And the person would pay for this by um, having a reduced fee and then also by doing some community service hours and therefore they're paying back into the community. And that allows them the ability to get outside and engage with people. And it also you know, makes them feel a sense of dignity because they're contributing and people that have hearing loss oftentimes feel very isolated because they're you know, afraid to um, go out into places where they have trouble hearing.
0: That's a really amazing perspective because it really is a circle. They gain, the community gains, that the whole community gains just by having that person re-engaged But it's, you're also giving them, uh, you know, giving them the the push to also re-engage their lifestyle and to get to know other people in other situations. That's... That's really phenomenal. I hadn't known that aspect of what you were doing. I'm really impressed with that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. So Nora Stewart started this nonprofit and it started to grow. And pretty soon there were more and more people coming in. And so she, um, and then she and her husband went on a mission trip and, uh, You know, she kind of realized that she felt that this was something she wanted to do more of. And so she started a group, it's called Entheos Audiology Co-op, and she invited other practice owners like myself to join this group. And um, through our joined efforts, we now are uh, traveling to developing countries to provide hearing health care to people who have no access to these services.
0: That's what has been so wonderful to watch, and I've been fortunate enough to get to know Nora also and know that she's got a fabulous person working for her that used to work for me long ago. (laughs) That's right. So it's so fun to watch, um, to see all the perspectives every time I get to see pictures from when you go. And I know you did a number of these mission trips yourself in the last year. You know, what... Well, I, you know, not only what did you experience, but I guess the one thing that kind of pops in my mind is going back to our earlier conversation here in the U.S., we often have a lot of people who know they have hearing loss, but aren't necessarily motivated to go do something about it. What's the difference between where you go into these developing countries to help people who have a need? How how well do they receive um, getting help and treatment. You
1: know, it's really um, kind of a life-changing experience when you go on a mission trip like this, because, you know, I lived in India, and I saw a lot of poverty in, in a developing country, and people just oftentimes have no idea how much people struggle just to get through the day and to find their next meal. But, I mean, I remember when I went on my first mission trip with Entheos, we went to Haiti, and when they had the earthquake there, there were people, there were mothers who had hearing loss, who did not have any help for their hearing. And when the earthquake happened and their houses crumbled around them, they had children that were buried and they couldn't hear the cries of their children. Oh. And I just, Oh my God. I couldn't believe that. I just couldn't believe that a mother with hearing loss would have to deal with that. Uh, that's horrible. I mean, that is so shocking. I
0: would have never thought of that had you not shared that. Thank you for sharing that. And at the same time, Oh my gosh, oh, that's how, how helpless would you be?
1: It's, it's just, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why we do this work. I mean, I decided that four years ago when I joined in I decided that I, I loved what I did in my practice and I knew I was helping patients all day, every day, but I wanted to give back on a larger scale. And so We decided to start a nonprofit organization to help people locally in our community. But I also started going on mission trips, humanitarian mission trips. And it really has been the most wonderful thing I've done professionally. Um, I've traveled to last year, I went on seven trips, but I've traveled to countries like Guatemala, Zambia, Mozambique, Ecuador. I've been to the Middle East. Um, We're planning trips to India and It's just amazing when you, you know, realize the impact you have on people's lives. This most recent trip for the group was to Mozambique. I wasn't actually on this trip, but we heard this story. There were some twin boys that came in and they were both in high school and one of the kids had hearing loss and the other one had normal hearing. And the boy with hearing loss was always told by his family and his teachers that you're the naughty one. You're the one who doesn't pay attention and you should be more like your brother. And why don't you listen? And he would get hit on the side of his head because he wasn't paying attention. Oh. And it's because he couldn't hear. Oh my gosh. So time and time again, we hear these stories and you realize how in, how crucial our hearing is and how much it really uh, limits a person's potential when they can't hear. And so My mission now is to use my business as a vehicle for giving back and changing the world to help people. I I feel really good about that.
0: You know, one of the things that I think I saw, um, our friend Mary, um, I don't know if it was Mary or somebody else that was in one of those last trips post where you know how many people had walked so far to come to the hearing clinic and how on the very last day they still had to close the doors even though there were a lot of people and i you could just hear the anguish just through the the keyboard of having to turn people away after you know so many long 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 days and helping so many people that the need is so great and yet the resources are so limited
1: That's very true, Michael. That's really so heart-wrenching. The first time I went to the Middle East, we set up a clinic and one of the volunteers is, is from the area, so she speaks Arabic. And we got to the end of the day, started packing up our bags, and there was a woman that was arguing with her. We didn't know what was going on. We found out that this woman had hearing loss and her husband used to beat her because she couldn't hear. And she told him that she was gonna come and get help that day and unfortunately she couldn't get in because we ran out of time and it was the end of the day and so she was begging the volunteer to let her in because she said, if I go home, I don't know what's gonna happen. And we just see this time and time again. Well, the the ending of the story was happy because we had her come to us the next day and she was the first person we saw. But it's just, you know it's hard for us to even imagine what somebody deals with when they uh, live in a developing country, when they have hearing loss, when they have a disability. And it's just, it's really tough.
0: No kidding. I can't, I, you and I can't even fathom that. And, And it's, you know, when you think of it on that scale, it really brings us back to the human condition of, you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. And yet there's only mm-hmm. so much we can do, but. You know, you're, you're making a huge effort in it. It is it is very, every time I see a post, I am just so impressed. I'm so proud. And I know there's another, a number of different companies that are supporting you in this, that are helping, um, you know, so what does it mean to have that kind of support behind you guys? I mean, you're still, a, you guys are making a huge impact, even if it still feels small at some times. How do you feel, you know, knowing you have at least got some momentum behind you, you giving you a little you know push a little help along the way.
1: You know we we uh, we are so grateful to everybody anybody and everybody who helps us. I've been really Um, just bowled over by the generosity of the people. I I post stories on social media and friends and family members and acquaintances are seeing these stories and contributing to help towards these efforts. And some of our manufacturers have been amazing. Oticon Hearing Foundation has been amazing at contributing devices towards these trips. Widex, uh, right now, they're helping us with devices. Resound has helped us. Phonak is helping. So our manufacturers are coming alongside us. Well, and it's just really rewarding. We actually got a a donation from one of the equipment manufacturers, I guess they're an equipment distributor, because when we go on these trips, we were bringing, you know, piecemeal equipment, something that somebody maybe had that was extra or laying around, or we would, you know, try to get something to do all the work that we have to do. There's a lot of equipment that we need. And one of the manufacturers found out about this need. And, And what happens is when we don't have the right equipment or we don't have the right hearing aids, it slows us down. We can't help as many people. So one of the equipment distributors donated some equipment to help us, and the manufacturers are helping with hearing instruments. So it's been great. We feel like we're getting some momentum and we're getting some support, and any and all help is always much, much appreciated.
0: Well, one question I have to ask is that I know that you also rely on a lot of personal donations, but I know that you have a young friend that you guys have met along the way who is very committed to helping raise awareness of hearing aid needs. And I think he also got some fame and fortune with uh, a person I'd sure love to meet one day, which was Ellen DeGeneres. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, your young friend who uh, has been so influential with your guys' group? Absolutely.
1: So we're talking about Braden Baker, who is a, uh, he's an 11 year old boy from Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. A little bit
0: with a huge heart. (laughs)
1: You know, amazing things sometimes come in small packages because Last year, Braden, um, he's been wearing hearing aids since, since he was an infant, and he has an amazing family. And um, basically, his, <laughs> he has a little dog named Chewy, and Chewy got a hold of his hearing aid and chewed one of them up. Which is and, a very appropriate name for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And so this happened not once, but twice. And um, so his family sat him down and gave him a little talking to and said, look, Braden, these devices are really expensive and you're lucky that your mom and dad can afford to replace them. But, you know, there are lots of people out there that have the same trouble that you do and they can't afford hearing aids. And so I guess this really affected him. And he was a, his, his family watches El, the Ellen show every day. And so I guess um, he decided that um, he wanted to do something to help other people because Ellen always talks about being kind to one another and helping each other. So he started a GoFundMe campaign and he was going to raise a couple thousand dollars to, you know, help somebody get hearing aids. And this ended up um, just kind of going viral. And, you know, so last year I was invited to go talk about our humanitarian efforts at the Oticon Hearing Foundation meeting, and they had invited Braden because he had raised $20,000 at that point, And he was- That's
0: amazing. That.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And so I met him. And when I found out what he was doing, I thought, you know, and Otacon told me that they were going to give me 100 hearing aids for our next mission trip. And so I thought, well, I'll bring the hearing aids gladly, but why not bring Braden along so he can actually see for himself what he's doing and what kind of an impact he's going to have. And I wanted him to be able to see a hearing smile, and a hearing smile. Do you know what that is, Michael? Yes, and I'm about crying as you're talking, so just keep going. <laughs> you're choking me up. <laughs> okay, okay I am crying, keep going. I've gotten teary-eyed a couple times here. So um, a hearing smile is when you put hearing devices on a person who hasn't heard you know, before and he, their whole face lights up in a smile and it's just the most beautiful thing you'll ever experience. So I wanted Braden to see this for himself. Because, you know, somebody who has a heart like that, uh, that's trying to help other people, why not let him see, you know, children are concrete, they kind of need to see things for themselves to really understand. So, so I talked to his mother, and um, she was totally on board with doing this. And we brought him to Guatemala in November. And we had this amazing little trip called Braden's Gift of Hearing. And we fit 150 hearing aids while we were there. And he got to see hearing smiles. And it was just incredible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> See, I'm still crying. How did he do? <laughs> you know, this this little boy is very unusual. He's amazing. He's got such a big heart. You know, our days are so long and exhausting. And when you have hearing loss, you have to work harder to hear all day. But he was right beside us all day. Yes. He rolled up his sleeves. He was helping. He, you know, there was a little boy who came in. His name was Christian. And he's seven. And immediately, the two of them just were drawn to each other. And so Brayden kind of followed Christian around. And when he came into the fitting room, he was helping put batteries in his hearing aids and he was showing him that they were the same as his. And it was just such a beautiful thing. I can't even describe it. It was amazing.
0: Oh, that is, it's just fantastic. And, you know, what a, what an awareness and, uh, you know, your whole point of, you know, he was his point, but as you brought it up, you know, the, the moment he realized, oh my goodness, these aren't just some little piece of plastic. You know, it's not just little some little toy that it it's fine that the dog chews up. There's a value to this and not everyone can afford him. For him to make then that decision and for you guys to bring him to see it in a concrete and tangible way, you know, to, the tactile you know, experience that he had, you know, that that is life-changing for him, but I bet it's also life-changing for his family and anyone who donated to them. And that's, that's when you take something that's good and you make it simply beyond amazing. So I'm just very impressed with that.
1: Well, thank you, Michael. Yeah. I mean, this was such an amazing experience for us all. We've decided we're going to do at least one or two trips together with Braden and we're going to Zambia this June and hopefully do another trip, maybe in the fall back to Guatemala Fantastic.
0: But, Your yeah, bill, yeah. You, you know, you're going to turn him into an audiologist. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: <hope so. laughs> yeah, he's, he's, His goal right now is to get to 100,000. And I think he last time I looked, he was at around 73 or 74,000. So he's incredible.
0: Oh, my gosh. I think I, I need to get him on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Next. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, let's, let's do go. it. You help me help me get hooked up. <laughs> Well, so, Kamal, if anybody's listening today and they want to help your effort, how can somebody that's listening get involved and make a difference in somebody's hearing health?
1: So they can donate to our local nonprofit, which is A&E Hearing Connection, and that website is aehearing.org. They want to get involved in the international give back efforts. That's in Theos Hearing Foundation. Perfect. I encourage you, Michael, to come on a trip. I know. I was wondering.
0: I was thinking maybe it's time for me to get going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the only way you're going to really understand and, you know, experience what what it is that we're doing. And everybody can help. I mean, we always need volunteers to help. And it's so incredible. These trips are amazing. And I encourage you to come sometime. I think you're going to love it. You love to travel and you love people. So, As long as
0: you don't make me look at a video otoscope, I don't (laughs) like seeing the wax in there. That grosses me out every time. (laughs) I especially don't want to see the inside of my own ear. <laughs> and I'll have all the uh, information on uh, your websites on my show notes for anybody who wants to follow up. And it, this has just been a pleasure. So, you know, usually I ask a couple last questions. So here, here's the one. You know, if you knew then some of the things you knew now, what would you tell the younger Kamal? You know, how, I don't know, at any point in time in your past that you would either do differently, do the same? You know, what would you tell that younger you at any point in time that would have shocked your potential farther and faster, or else ensured that you kept on the path that you're most happy with now?
1: You know, I don't want to sound like I'm being, you know, immodest or whatever, but I really truly believe that, you know, I'm on the path that I'm meant to be on. I'm where exactly where I'm meant to be. And I still have a lot to learn and grow. And Every day I try to do something to try to be a better version of myself. But I just think that people help each other. and When we help each other, the world's a better place. And when I was, um, I guess I was about 22 years old, I had gotten married at a young age. And I'm still married to a very wonderful man, uh, Michael. Yes, he and is. When I was Not just Michael, another Michael, <laughs> another Michael. And when I was twenty-two, I had my first son, and his name is Andrew. And uh, I had, uh, you know, kind of stopped going to school because we moved to another state, and um, you know, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I ended up going back to school. With my mom and my dad and my stepfather at the time, who was just a wonderful human being, helped me get back to school. And I think I really pushed myself hard to get an education. And I've always pushed myself hard because I think, you know, education opens doors for people and I've always been grateful for the help that I had to get there. And so I think that's, I would just go back and encourage and and pat myself on the back and say that, you know, I was lucky and fortunate to be able to do that. And and I would do it over again because I think that really does open doors
0: for people. I think that's wonderful. And I I don't think it's, you know, a question of being immodest at all. I think there's, it's important also to recognize, you know, when we've, done the exact same thing, done the things we needed to exactly at the right time, even if it didn't feel like it at the time. (laughs) Sometimes you look back and go, okay, I know I fell on my face, but I needed to fall on my face right then.
1: Oh, and I've done that many times, believe me. But I think there's so much growth in those moments. And I learned so much that, you know, you you kind of just have to be grateful for those experiences. Absolutely. Well, I am
0: grateful to have the experience of having you on my podcast today. Do you have any last uh, words of wisdom
1: for my uh, listeners?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I guess I would uh, just like to end with the quote from Mahatma Gandhi, which is one of the best quotes I think that there is out there. And that is. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And I believe that's true. Mahatma Gandhi.
0: Thank you so much, Kamal. I appreciate having you on my podcast today.
1: And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been great. And uh, I appreciate the uh, opportunity.
0: Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Learn more today about my book, Tell Me More, and about me at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. Make it a great day.